Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. thought about why people act the way they do? Why are some people more difficult to deal with while others are always pleasant? Let's find out together. Welcome to Human Behavior. What a trip. Your host is Dr. Jonathan Brower. Our program combines expert guests with people just like you who have questions or comments. We'll have fun exploring human behavior. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Brower. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Jonathan Brower. My show is called Human Behavior, What a Trip. And we're going to have a wonderful trip today with a colleague of mine who's written a wonderful book calling, the name of the book is Loving Someone with Attention Deficit Disorder, A Practical Guide to Understanding Your Partner, Improving Communication, and Strengthening Your Relationship. So, Susan, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jonathan, for okay, I'll be inviting Jonathan, me to be here. Susan, we don't have to have fancy names and, and all that. So um, what I'd like to do in the very beginning, if it's okay with you, is yep. uh, to let us, the audience, know um, how it was for you growing up, where you were when you were growing up, what you seemed to like and what you gravitated towards, and then how did you end up becoming a psychotherapist okay. in general and a specialist with um, attention deficit disorder in particular. Okay. So take it away. Well, um, I grew up um, in um, Dallas, Texas. Uh-huh. Up in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, there. Um, went to school at the University of Texas in Austin. Yeah, so you were hooking um, up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Big Longhorn fan, you bet. Yeah. Um, and uh, really, um, you know, never really did think too much about psychology back then. Uh, certainly, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't anything that anybody around me was kind of interested in, and it was maybe sort of a sign of the times, too. Uh-huh. Uh, days of hippies and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, I worked uh, at several jobs after college and um, uh, got married pretty soon after college to, yeah. my, to a man that I'd met in college, and we're still married some 40-plus years later. Good. Um, we moved to California pretty early in our marriage from Texas uh-huh. and began our family out here. And at that time, I, I didn't work. We made the decision that I would stay home and 
um, you know, raise raise our children from that end. And um, so I did that. And then um, my children were junior high age, and I came to the realization that pretty soon they would be gone out of the house, and my husband would still be working in his career, and, you know, for what the heck was I going to do? Yes. And uh, with a few years and some maturity, I, I began to look around and think, what would I like to do with my life at that uh-huh. point? And that's kind of when I made the decision to go back uh, back to school, entered the graduate uh, school of psychology and education at Pepperdine. And, and why did you um, uh, why did you choose that particular Pepperdine? Um, yeah. You know, probably because I knew the dean. I knew I could get in. Yeah. But also, no, um, why were you gravitating towards becoming a, a therapist? You know, I think uh, I'd probably lived enough life by that point. I was in my early forties, and uh-huh. you know, just. Uh, living with my family and my husband's family and, you know, uh, my brother suffered from bipolar disorder. So, um, you know, just sort of having an interest in why we do the things that we do Uh and what might contribute to it, it probably led me to sort of enter into this field. And another big reason was because I really wanted to help people uh, be married more successfully. Uh-huh. Um, I think marriage is a good thing, and I think uh, most of us don't really know how to be married very well, and yes. um, people needed some help. So my desire was always to uh, work with couples when I finished my education and my training uh-huh. um, for that purpose. Uh, I think we have, most of us have the capacity to do it better. It's just, you know, our models probably weren't very good growing up, and there's all kinds of things in the world that um, that can interfere with a successful relationship, and yes. so that was really uh, my main reason for doing it. And Pepperdine was easily accessible to me, and their program was flexible, um, and um, it just was a good fit for me. And, and I liked their program too. It's a lot of they had a uh, the mass a master's degree in psychology, but with an emphasis on marriage and family therapy. Okay. So since that's what I wanted to do, that that seemed like a, a good program for me, and it was. I, I enjoyed my time there. Plus, uh, when you were outside of the building <laughs> at the time, you had a nice view of the ocean, and you had a nice breeze. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, I uh, went to their evening program, which was in Encino. Oh, I so. Uh, it's pretty far away from the, from the beach. Yes. <laughs> it, it just uh, was a more accessible program, offered more flexibility. Yes. Um, I do teach now at Pepperdine, so uh, I do teach in their graduate program on the Malibu campus, and so I do have opportunity to drive up there once a week and look oh, at the beautiful view and, and appreciate that. So good. I'm still yes. connected. Yeah. And so um, what prompted you to write the book that we're talking about, Loving Someone with Attention Deficit Disorder? Right. Well, that's a very good question, and I, um, there's a good answer, too. I um, had uh, worked with, when I first started my training and my counseling practice, I worked with, uh, for some reason, a lot of people who were 
um, in the entertainment business or wannabe entertainment business, whether um, uh, actors, writers, directors, musicians, um, anything. And um, they were all very creative, uh-huh. but all, all kind of had the same complaints about the inability to um, sort of get things done or be as successful as they'd like to be, but they loved the creative part of their life. Um, now, let me backtrack a little bit. And before you even I... backtrack, I have one question. Yes. Yeah. That never occurred to me before you just spoke a few sentences ago. Hey, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you were saying that uh, there were quite a few wannabes for show business who seem to have some degree of attention deficit disorder. So my question is, how do those two fit together? In other words, I I would be under the assumption that um, people with attention deficit disorder would be pretty much the same no matter what their occupation was. Right, but because of the desire to be stimulated for the brain's desire to, to find something that's uh, interesting, stimulating, exciting. Uh-huh. You know, the entertainment industry sort of provides that just because that's kind of what defines it, right? It is exciting. Okay, so let me it ask, seems to be. Okay, so I'm thinking as we're talking, I'm, I'm picturing all these um, very um, high-flying... High um, uh, creative. Oh, well, people who are JPL, who, you know, watch the moon, the moon stuff and the, all the rocket stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, when the, um, when the rocket takes off and everything's fine, the, the men and women who are working at their computers, they all go nuts and they go screaming and they're so happy. Bob. Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying is, um, I guess they had their stimulation too, but not in the sense of wanting to be in show business. <laughs> right, and there are a lot of a lot of details leading up to that moment. Yeah. Um, what what I found with my clients that have attention deficit disorder is that they they usually aren't the best in details. You know, I see. Detail work uh, because detail work can be. Uh, relatively boring or uninteresting or repetitive, and they don't they don't manage as well with that. Somehow they have a deficit with their intentions. Exactly. I yeah. see. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Um, so going back when to- I was yes, when I was in graduate school, um, the only time that we ever learned anything about. Uh, what I'm going to call ADD, just to shorten it up, it's it's really attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, with all the subtypes of it. But I'm I'm going to call it shorthand ADD. Okay. Um, the, we didn't, you know, we learned about it in our class with childhood development. Uh huh. Really wasn't mentioned or brought up in any other class as far as a diagnosis for adults. Uh huh. Um, and so I I really didn't put all the pieces together until I'd, you know, sort of um, had a lot of people that I was working with who seemed to have the same sort of uh, complaints and perhaps the same symptomology. 
Uh-huh. And I don't know, Jonathan, when it happened, but at one moment I just sort of, you know, connected the dots and went, I think these people have attention deficit disorder. Let me look into that. So I started uh-huh. gathering as much information as I could and going to whatever seminars. There really wasn't that much information out there okay. at the time. What year was that? Yeah, what, what year were we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about the, you know, the late 90s, the early, you know, around... 2000, that sort oh, so of thing. It's pretty new, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. Really, within yeah. the past, you know, um, eight, yeah. ten years. Okay. Um, so I, I just sort of set out on my own journey to, to learn about it. And now here's the interesting part, is that I would um, go home and talk to my husband over dinner or something, you know, about what I was learning and things that I was understanding, and um, I'd talk about some of the ADD stuff, and uh-huh. every so often he'd say, you know, that sounds a lot like me, and I'd look at him, and I'd say, yeah, you know, it does, and we'd leave it at that. Well, after about the third time, we kind of looked at each other, and, you know, that light bulb sort of went off over both of our heads, and uh-huh. so he got evaluated, and, you know, sure enough, he really does qualify for the diagnosis of attention deficit disorder. Yes. He has the inattentive type, which is less disruptive um, yes. behaviorally. Yeah, so I have a question. Well, when he found out of this diagnosis he had, what was his reaction to it? Oh, he was quite relieved. Oh, good. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he was, he was relieved because he, it gave him a lot of answers to questions that he'd had about himself and his whole family, you know, yeah. for years. Well, yeah. So how old was he when oh. he, he... He didn't even know the name of this thing yet, but how old was he, right. in retrospect, when he now figured out when he started having ADD? Oh, he was in his 40s. That's when it yeah. took him around for him? Pardon? In other words, he didn't have any idea that he had this... No. No. I think. No idea, because for him, ADD was, you know, the kid he'd known in his fifth grade class who couldn't sit still and talk yes. much and got in trouble all the time, and that wasn't him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, he came at it late in life. Well, so that's sort of what put me on the path, and as I learned more and more about ADD and, and began to see it more, not in every client that I worked with, but certainly and enough people to realize that there were a lot of people out there who didn't realize, even as adults, um, successful, you know, um, mostly entrepreneurial types, um, uh, had ABD. Well, so I worked a lot with couples in that regard, and I would begin to put my information out there. I offered myself as as a speaker at some of the... um, organizations that deal with this, like ADA, which is Adults with Attention Deficit Disorder, and CHAD, Children and Adults with Attention Uh Deficit Disorder. Um, One thing that I discovered was that there was a lot of information out there for the person with ADD, Um, but there was very little for the person who lived with the person with ADD. Yeah. And they have needs and, you know, problems on their own just dealing with some of the symptoms of attention deficit disorder. So uh, 
I started speaking on that to raise an awareness within just the general population and with with my fellow uh, therapists about uh, the treatment needs of the non-ADD partner. And um, that's how I came to write the book, because one of my speaking engagements got noticed by a publisher, and then they contacted me about... um, writing my book. So that's, uh-huh. that's how it came about. Long story, but that's, that's okay. the so, um, I have a question. Um, roughly speaking, what percentage of the population, I don't know if we should just limit it to North America or the whole world, however you want to do it, what percentage of human beings have some form of ADD? Um, I don't know about global yeah. um, statistics because I think, uh, you know, there are different yeah, so the U.S. approaches to it. In the United States, it is thought to be between 5 and 8% well, that's of the adult all? population, or of the population. Yeah. Oh, I would have guessed it was longer, higher than that. So there'll be another question it, I have. It might be, but uh, that's, that's, what, the, that's yeah. what I seem to find, 5 to 8%. Okay, and then people who have ADD, are they, are they likely to have some other kinds of issues also? Other, as adults, uh, as adults or children, anyway. Yeah, as adults, um, it's not unusual. In fact, it's usually the norm to see a fair amount of anxiety Uh and/or depression that goes along with it. Especially, especially in an adult who is uh, has been undiagnosed and untreated. Okay. On that note, we're going to stop for a commercial break. Okay. We'll come back in about two minutes or so, and we'll take up where we left off. Okay. So hang on, everybody. We shall return. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. Legal Shield. Total Access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Human Behavior What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's toll free 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip! 
Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower with my guest, Susan Tashuti. He's written a wonderful book about tension deficit disorder. She's my guest today. And um, Susan, we, we, when we stopped for the, for the first commercial break, um, you mentioned um, that for some adults, yeah, I'm not sure you know what percentage, if you do, tell me, but some adults, in addition to having ADD, have a different uh, or various um, uh, amounts of anxiety and or depression. Right. So my question is, how does the anxiety and depression get tagged with the ADD? Well, that's a good question. Um, um, or it could be the, that a certain percentage of them also have anxiety and depression independent of ADD. Well, sure, of course. Um, it's just not unusual for a person with ADD because of the some of the symptomology that's attached to the diagnosis, the distractibility, impulsivity, restlessness. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they have a higher rate of um, problems with their with jobs, uh-huh. being with jobs, uh-huh. uh, being successful in their jobs. There's a higher rate of divorce um, among the ADD population because uh, of the difficulties of living someone who may be distracted a lot or impulsive in their word or their behavior or being restless, not satisfied. And so as adults, um, the anxiety comes because um, a lot of them feel like they haven't been able to accomplish what they feel like they probably could. Uh-huh. Um, um, it has a, The diagnosis of ADD has nothing to do with intellectual capacity or, you know, these people aren't dumb. Yeah. Um, they're not lazy. They're not stupid. You know, they are. They have a neurobiological disorder that affects their thinking process sometimes and their yeah. behavior sometimes. But they tend to feel uh, less accomplished than the population without ADD, yeah. uh, and so they feel uh, a little anxious about that, or a lot of anxious. Uh-huh. And the depression comes in because they feel sort of hopeless sometimes. And we know that hopelessness is the greatest factor in depression. And so if they feel like they can't keep a job or they can't get the job that they want or they can't be successful in relationship, then, you know, they they tend to feel a little depressed. Yes. So a a few sentences ago, you mentioned that um, for a couple, a married couple, let's say, one of the two ends up um, wanting to leave the relationship because of the ADD. So my question is, is it usually the spouse that doesn't have the ADD that wants to get rid of the pain in the butt, um, right? Or, or is it just a, it can go anyway? Um, in my experience, the frustration... Uh, usually lies with the non-ADD partner. Yeah, that's what I would guess. Um, yeah. Now, the the partner with ADD might leave the relationship because they become, you know, attracted or get bored with the relationship. I mean, you know, living day-to-day intimately with someone yeah. where you got to take out the trash and, you know, clean the 
dishes can get kind of boring and routine. Yeah. But more often, the one who who I call the gatekeeper to the relationship is the non ADD partner, and quite often they get they get frustrated to the point where they say, "I'm just nothing ever changes, no matter what I say." For what I do, nothing changes. He doesn't listen to me, and I'm using the he/she thing here. Yes, exactly. It can be it can be the other way too. He doesn't listen to what I say. He keeps yes. doing the same thing, and I'm done. I'm finished. Yes. Unfortunately, so that's yeah. why they need the non-ADD partner needs to understand ADD almost better than the ADD partner, so that they can do what what we call externalizing the problem. You know. Yes. So that when um, the husband forgets, again, to do something that he's been asked to do and uh, should, should under ordinary circumstances, remember, so the, the wife can say, oh, my gosh, that's his ADD acting up, yes. rather than making it a character issue yes. and making him into a bad person. Yes. And what do um, the experts know about ADD? Is it a genetic thing or... Can it yeah. come about from because of certain kinds of interactions with people? It's uh, highly heritable. Um, highly heritable? Heritable. In oh, other heritable, words, uh, yes. Yeah, passed down. Usually when a child is diagnosed with ADD by a, um, a therapist or a doctor and they talk about the symptoms and go over sort of the checklist, that's when a parent... Uh, has the realization, oh, my gosh, that that's me, you know, uh, or that was me, or, you know, I have the same sort of struggles, too. So a lot of times uh, uh, a parent becomes aware as an adult that they have had ADD all along when their child is diagnosed. Yes. So I don't think I'm ADD, but I'll, I'll use me as a guinea pig. So... Um... When I'm involved with something, let's say I'm writing something or whatever it might be, I can be very absorbed and um, not get this um, disarranged or start thinking about other things. But if it's something that I'm, I need to do or, want, or have to do, but don't really, don't necessarily want to do it, yeah, then I start wandering. So does right. that qualify me as ADD or not? Well, I think you've touched on a, a really good issue because we're all uh, restless sometimes. We're all distracted. We're all impulsive to some degree. Where we come to a, a, a diagnostic sort of place with ADD is if it causes uh, impairment in the person's life. Uh-huh. So, again, we all have this as a part of us from time to time, but if it's chronic and it causes problems, in a person's uh, personal life and their, you know, life out in the world, then we look at a diagnosis of ADD and, and talk about treatment, too. I see. So I have another question. Uh, I, have, I have all these questions. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so people who are phobic about germs and stuff like that, uh-huh. um, does that ever... Get, get attached to ADD people also, or are they two just separate things that someone might have both of? Well, not necessarily. I don't usually see that, so I would I would probably understand that as a separate issue. I see. Now, have, having said that, <laughs> I will also say that sometimes there's a, a, a high sensitivity to um, 
to like um, tactile things, noises. Um, a lot of my ADD clients cut out all of the um, labels in their clothes because they can't stand it against their skin. Or they're oh, I see. very, very sensitive to noises and things like that. But I tend to see that as part of the thing that uh, all these things tend to distract them yes. from whatever it is they're trying to do or want to do. Yes. Well, it's interesting you say that because in my when I'm doing my therapy work, um, I'm very um, clear and, and I always bring up when someone, someone puts up a wall, puts up a, a defense, um, the defense keeps them from getting to what they really need to get to. Yeah. And so when you were talking about whether it's the fabric of the jacket or whatever, it's all kinds of ways in which we human beings can get distracted. Most of them aren't necessarily ADD. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But um, the ADD brain has a less capability to to not go to that thing that's distracting it, to not be pulled off of you know, what's in front of them, whether it's having a conversation with someone yeah. or, or taking care of, you know, detail, paperwork, or, you know, cleaning the house or doing yard work or whatever. Uh, one of my clients one time um, received his diagnosis, visited his physician, and was given medication, and... um so I met with a couple of a couple of weeks later, and I said, "So how's it going?" And she said, "He cleaned the closet." Uh-huh. And he looked at her, and he said, "What's the big deal about that?" She said, "No, you cleaned the downstairs closet. You took everything out, and you put everything back in in a neater way. You didn't take three trips to Home Depot. Yeah. You didn't stop and and watch the ball game and leave everything out until the next day." Yeah. You clean the closet, so um, that's what I mean by distractibility. You know, anything can distract anyone, yes. but the ADD brain has a harder time resisting the distraction. I see. And ADD has no particular uh, connection with how uh, how high a person's IQ is. It's just totally not not at all. Okay. So um, I'm looking at the contents of your book and uh-huh. the different chapters you have, and you have four chapters, uh, chapters two through five, and they are the physical dimension, the personal dimension, the relational dimension, and the emotional dimension. Yes. So could you could you go through those in some, in some yeah. degree of a... Sure. Right. This, yeah. Well, the reason I I sort of formatted it in this way is because um, what a person needs to know is that ADD impacts every area to one degree or another of a person's life. So it's not just, okay, I have trouble in school or I have trouble at work. So that's why I broke it down into these four life dimensions. Uh, the physical dimension, we look at um, most people in with ADD self-medicate. Yeah. They and self-medicate? So, yeah. What, and, kinds of, mm-hmm. what kinds of things do they use to self-medicate? Well, they will tend to gravitate towards anything that can be sort of turned into um, 
stimulation and, and adrenaline. Oh, okay. Because the the brain, the neurotransmitter called dopamine, and that's in our brain, which is thought to be the the problem area isn't regulated correctly, and adrenaline helps to sort of get it up and moving. That's very simplified. Okay. So then, so I'm thinking of two different sports, bobsledding and distance running. I would assume the bobsledders would have much more adrenaline going than the distance runners. The, uh, you know, uh, behavioral activity that is highly, you know, stimulating, fast-moving, um, yeah. you know, driving motorcycles. Um, one client, I asked him what he liked to do for fun, yeah. and he's, uh, this client had ADD, and he said, well, me and my friends, we like to drive up to the top of this road that's close by here where we live, yeah. and... Um, Drive down, and it's a very, very winding mountain road, lots of hairpin turns. He said, we drive up on a Saturday morning, and then we drive down the other side as fast as we can. Yeah. And so you're more likely to see uh, self-medicating with behaviors. But more more often than not, you'll see self-medicating with uh, substances, Um, uh, at the very least uh, cigarettes, because they contain nicotine, yeah. and nicotine sort of, you know, stimulates the brain. Really? Caffeine. caffeine. But, they, but, they, but the smokers wouldn't necessarily have a lot of adrenaline going on. Well, it just, it just, it helps. Yeah, because um, I would imagine astronauts and jet fighter guys, uh, they're probably high adrenaline people. Could be, could be. Yeah. Um, Although there's a lot of detail and routine in in that, yeah, um, yeah, we can see professions of you know I could I could give examples about the people who with ADD who seem to be uh, drawn to more highly uh, energized professions yeah. or a profession where it's it might be the same job every day but but the components of it change a lot, yeah. Um, so they seem to be drawn to that, and again, like the industry that we talked about. Yes. But, um, and that's fine. Uh, they don't seem to be well-suited in jobs that demand a lot of detail or routinely detailed work. So you yes. generally don't find a lot of them who are accountants. Yeah, yeah I was going to say accountants, yeah. Right, or anything that, that requires. Mm-hmm. Okay, now what about yeah. Chapter 3, the personal dimension? The personal dimension is, um, you know, this feeling of um, am, I, am, am I successful enough? Am I good enough? Am I accomplished enough? What have, what have I done personally in my uh-huh. life? Yeah. And a, a lot of adults with ADD feel like as though they've fallen short. Uh-huh. Um, as a matter of fact, I was just in session earlier today with a, an adult man who is extremely successful in his chosen field, yeah. uh, extremely successful. And this was this is what we were talking about, that personal sense of feeling discontented and not enough and it'll never be enough and just I'm, I'm always just short of what I want to do. And, you know, that. Yeah, so, that's the way a person looks at, at life yeah. in general. I have a question. So the fellow who 
seems sees himself as discontented, is that because of uh, factors with his parents and how they treated him, or is that something in his um, DNA? How does that work? Well, you know, that's that's really a good question because that's what we talked about. Okay. And I asked him the very same question. I said, well, did, would you, were you ever shamed? You know, did your parents shame you for things? And his his history says no. He said, yes. no, they were wonderful. They were loving. They were, which creates even more of a mystery for him. So right. what we tried to do was discuss it in the context of perhaps this is a part of attention deficit disorder uh-huh. so that he could understand that. And, and it's not unusual for me to experience this with many of my clients, uh-huh. um, regardless of their financial success or... Uh, success and other endeavors. It always feels like it's never quite enough, you know? Yes. So um, this fellow who was in your office earlier today and other people who are in your office, um, how do they make sense of the fact that they uh, somehow are not contented enough in, in, in the very thing that they actually excel at? Um, how do they make sense of it? Yeah. Well, it's troubling, you know, and yes. they don't make sense of it. And, you know, I i can't be exactly sure that ADD is the answer, but it's, it provides sort of a context for understanding it. Yeah. Okay. That because of the, you know, some of the symptoms of ADD saying, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I must have forgotten something on that, yeah. or or I, I I know I messed up, or you know that that feeds into that defense. Okay, we're going to take our second commercial break, our second and last commercial break for today, and so we'll come back in a minute or two. So hang on, everybody. Stay right where you are. Real life solutions. Voice America Health and Wellness. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd 
at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower, Human Behavior, What a Trip. And I'm with my guest, Susan Tashuti, who's written a wonderful book called Loving Someone with Attention Deficit Disorder. And Susan, um, if people want to contact you, how can they do that? Um, the easiest way to contact me is to go through my website or the website that's attached to my book, and it is uh, loving someone with com. I'm writing this down. Loving someone with ADD.com? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And there's a, a contact page on the website, and so they may have questions or, you know, yes. um, need to be pointed in a direction, and I'm very happy to do that. Again, okay. you know, so one, uh, if I can help, time. I will. One more time, it's www.lovingsomewithadd.com. Yes. And would you like uh, people to call you on the phone if they want? It's probably easier to uh, contact me via email. Okay, so, um, you, so they can go to your email and get your phone number that way? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, good. Okay, so back to uh, the story here. So let's go yeah. to uh, Chapter 4, the relational dimension. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, if I, I'm distracted and have a hard time staying in a conversation or if I'm impulsive and I blurt out things that... Uh, if I'd thought about it a little bit longer, I might not have said because it might be a little, you know, hurtful. If I, my restlessness uh, tends to uh, make me feel bored and I can't sit still through meals or occasions or, you know, in other words, if I'm not appearing to be fully present yes. in a relationship, but it's going to cause some problems. And the things that I just mentioned are... Uh, sort of inherent with ADD. So, uh, as I said earlier, there's more divorce within this sort of population, uh, harder time staying in a relationship, uh, and um, just relationships are harder for the person with ADD. They have to be a little more mindful of how they are, and that's hard for them because a person with ADD very rarely understands how they present to the general public world, and especially in a in a relationship. So, so, how do they get feedback from from people or their spouse regarding this problem? It it can be tricky, and that I just want to touch on one of the biggest issues that um, that I work with with couples, and that is a very toxic communication style that I see ends up being sort of a parent child. If, if the non-ABD spouse or partner is having to constantly remind, follow up, check up on their ADD partner, and it can come across as a parent yes. sort of, you know, treating a child. In fact, many of my non-ADD clients, I feel like I have four children instead of three. Uh-huh. And so... Um, this toxic communication style, you know, where I speak to you as though you're a child, where you're going to probably respond as in a, in a child way saying, you can't tell me what to do yes. or, you know, you're not the boss of me. Yeah. And so 
it, that happens quite frequently in an ADD relationship, and uh, it becomes quite toxic and can really end, end a relationship, uh, ultimately. So, uh, so I, would, I would imagine that there's a certain number of uh, uh, couples where both uh, people have ADD. Yeah. So how do they manage um, that? To be honest with you, Jonathan, I really have only seen uh, maybe a handful. Really? Um, mm-hmm. so in therapy, have... now it's either because they don't they don't present for for counseling, yeah, <laughs> or uh, my I have I have a, a belief that most people with ADD and and some research has has backed this up will seek out someone who sort of doesn't have ADD symptoms. In other words, they will seek out someone who is uh, organized, uh, punctual, detail-oriented, because they're they're needing someone to sort of help manage their lives. Yes. Uh, So I think that's probably going to happen more often than two people with ADD. Now, I could be wrong, but... but, Yeah, yeah, well, you know more about it than I do, that's for sure. So... um... Before we get to the emotional dimension, when you were talking about um, the relational dimension and you were talking about how people can be bored when they're not stimulated well enough by someone else. So this happens with me. I could be at a party somewhere and um, I'm speaking with someone or they're speaking with me and I find them extraordinarily boring. And then, then, then my ADD or whatever it is goes goes to other places. Right. Yeah. And then I do my best to try to spruce up the conversation. But for some of these people, they just can't rise to the occasion. Right. So then, at some point, I excuse myself to get another glass of water or something. And right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I can imagine that's hard for both in the dyad. It's, it's hard for both people. Well, right, but, you know, that person that you were speaking to at the party might very well be very boring, you know. Yeah. Um, what, what generally happens is someone who's not boring, who's, who is sort of, you know, involved and maybe interesting, you know, they, they feel like they're getting this sort of treatment from their ADD partner, you yeah. know. I'm not interested in you, no matter what you say. I'm, I'm bored. You're, you're not uh, stimulating yeah. enough for my brain. So yeah. um, it's it's very subjective, yes. but uh, that's the complaint, you know, that I usually hear. Okay. So let's move on to Chapter 5, the emotional dimension. Correct. Um, and, uh, you know, we touched on this earlier, where on an emotional level uh, to feel quite pressed about the inabilities that ADD symptoms sort of create, uh-huh. inability to stay on task, the inability to start and finish something successfully, the inability to um, not get distracted, um, the inability to uh, not say things sometimes yeah. or do things sometimes um, can create a, 
depression, a sense of depression, and also anxiety too. Uh-huh. Along with me, the negative self-talk is is really strong with uh, my ADD clients. You know, what's wrong with me? Why can't I be like uh, other people? Uh, lots of shoulds and oughts. You know, I should be able to pay attention. I, I ought to do this more often. Yes, and and so that creates some. Um, emotional problems, especially if the person's undiagnosed and untreated. But even with diagnosis and even with treatment, um, still negative self-talk is is quite a problem uh, within the ADD population. And a lot of other populations, too. Absolutely. I think it's a little more pronounced, uh, sometimes with good reason, but they're very hard on themselves, generally speaking, or they're, they're, they're very you know, um, non-accepting uh, of it. It's not my fault, you know. Yeah. So before we get to um, the next mm-hmm. next part of your book called Strengthening Your Relationship, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I asked you this question or not earlier on. Are there more women or more men, or I should say males or females, because it could be children, uh, which gender tends to have more... It's, again, a really good question. I'm glad you asked it because um, historically people have just thought boys or males uh, have have ADD more. Um, I think uh, the current sort of thinking on this is that it's actually pretty pretty even. Yeah, that's uh, my guess. Females tend to have uh, what's called the inattentive type, so they're not hyperactive. Yeah. Um, remember, this is uh, originally conceived of and thought of as a childhood disorder, yeah. and it was seen in schools where a child was disruptive, yeah. couldn't sit still. But the inattentive type will will not create any problems, but they'll just daydream, look out the window, you yeah. know, and they just, they're sort of, they have an inner restlessness, but it's not exhibited on the outside. So I think it's probably um, evenly distributed. Yeah, but from what you said a moment ago, um, if I heard it correctly, for example, uh, uh, female children, when they're uh, in school, they just may be very quiet and in their own little world, but they're not disrupting right. anybody. Right, more often. Yeah, and those uh, boys are more, right. more uh, juiced up and so acting out. So less, less problems, there's less uh, reasons to get help for it. Yes. Know? Okay. So um, in the last part of your book, you the part three, strengthening your relationship, and then in mm-hmm. chapter six, you have diffusing mm-hmm. your anger. So... How would people with ADD and or their spouses diffuse anger differently than the general population? Um, again, uh, remember my book is really focused towards the non-ADD partner. And okay. by the time I see them, uh, when I meet them in, in my counseling office, yeah. um, they're usually, the non-ADD partner is usually quite angry and resentful. Um, because of feeling, uh, you know, unimportant and um, unattended to and not respected in the relationship. So, and diffusing your anger, first of all, to acknowledge it and to understand it, 
understanding where the anger comes from. Is it, you know, uh, because they feel so so hopeless and and uh, ineffective in bringing about change. And that's where the component comes in, where I really um, discuss with them how to externalize the ADD behavior. Yeah. Um, and helping, so, helping a person with the uh, with the ADD or the spouse that doesn't have the ADD. I got I got um, lost. Well, the um, it's usually the non-ADD partner is angry. I see. And, and so helping them um, to externalize their anger um, I see. As, it, as it pertains to ADD symptomology. And the ADD partner may be angry, too, um, but I'm more concerned in, in what I'm writing about uh, as to the non-ADD partner because I believe he or she is really the gatekeeper, and if they get angry enough and they're... And their, um, you know, affection and care yes. before the person dies, then they'll they'll leave the relationship. So the way I'm the way my brain's taking this in, the um, adult who does not have the ADD, they're angry at the person who does have it, and the and the person who does have the ADD is like the child who's being told they're not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, uh, they, love their, they love their partner, they just hate behaviors, and so that's why we try to externalize those behaviors so that, you know, it's not, again, doesn't come across as a character issue, you yeah. know. Okay. And then on the next chapter, you have mm-hmm. what's called reality check. What's the reality check that needs to be checked? Well, this is, um, the reality check is just, you know, this is ADD, um, I see. Educate yourself about it, learn about it, get to know it um, backwards and forwards, and it's not going to change, you know? Okay. It, it that makes sense. It could be sort of moderated some, but it is a life lifespan disorder. Yes. So your, your partner is going to have ADD the rest of his or her life. Right. And it may manifest a little bit differently yeah. through, through the different areas. Right. Development. So that's kind of what reality checks. Yeah, so that segues into Chapter 8, Setting and Strengthening Personal Boundaries. Right. The uh, non-ADD partner tends to, uh, because remember, they usually are more detail-oriented and organized, and they get things done, and they start and finish things. So they tend to, or they can, overhelp their ADD partner. Yeah. And and they end up doing too much, taking on too much responsibility and not having really good personal boundaries. And so that chapter really uh, discusses how to strengthen boundaries, how to decide what they won't do anymore, what they will do in the future, and there's some exercises in there to help them get into a better place. Okay. And then Chapter 9, this is just a segue in the next chapter, Recognizing and Avoiding Relational Roadblocks. Right. Uh, that chapter focuses a lot on communication skills, you know, uh-huh. and how to communicate to your ADD partner, your feelings, your preferences, yes. and uh, so that you can have better outcomes. And there's, you know, uh, that probably talk about the parent-child um, sort of communication style that uh, can rip apart 
a, a right. relationship. So there's some several things that are pretty common yes. and for the non-ADD partner to recognize it so that they can avoid it yes. in the future. So in Chapter 10, Taking Care of Yourself, which yeah. self are we talking about, the ADD partner or the non-ADD no, this partner? Is- this is the non-ADD partner. Okay. Um, again, this person, because they tend to do too much and yes. take on too many responsibilities, their own personal self-care sort of uh, goes by the wayside, yes. and they end up being angry and upset and, okay. you know, resentful. So it's just taking people yes. through a checklist. What can you do to take better care of yourself, even if circumstances don't change? Right. Okay. So... Um... In the last 30 seconds or less, yeah. <laughs> a Chapter 11, Moving Through Obstacles Together. Right. Uh, the rest of the book is designed for, you know, the non-ADD partner. What can you do? Here are exercises for you. I see. That last chapter, uh, there are a few exercises for the couple to do together. Yes. So that the awareness can be raised and they can, you know, um, get successful outcomes and yes. sort of some strategies for yes. a more successful relationship. Okay. So uh, we have about maybe 20 seconds left. I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. And uh, hopefully uh, people who can uh, benefit from reading this book should get it. And, right. Uh, I think it. they would be helpful. Right. And, Jonathan, I'd like to thank you for inviting me onto your show. My um, pleasure. I really enjoyed I've it. I've enjoyed it. Yes. Okay. Thank you Great. so much. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody. That's the show for today. Talk to you next week. And um, goodbye for now. Thank you again for listening today. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Human Behavior, What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have fun experiencing your human behavior. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.